Have you ever thought about what the words the Sunday blues are? And will the Sunday blues make an impact in your career? Maybe these are some of the questions you should be asking yourself. All that next on Unity Talks podcast. Welcome to Unity Talks, where the hiring experts of Dallas-based recruiting firm Unity Search engage in lively discussion with successful business leaders to dissect their careers and how they got to where they are today, the obstacles overcome to reach their success, and steps they've taken to stay at the top of their respective fields. So listen in as we provide you with the thought-provoking conversation and ideas that keep industries moving forward. What do you think of when you hear the word audit or someone that is doing audit or performing an audit? Many people think of compliance. They think of, oh, someone broke the rules. Or even some people think of the police. Well, our guest today is the first guest we've had that is an audit executive. And it's our second guest of 2022 and our first audit executive guest since we've been doing the Unity Talks podcast. And we're really excited to talk to her today. It's Lynn Trong, who is the Chief Audit Executive at NTTA. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, David. Yeah. What do you think of when you hear the word audit? Well, having been in the audit profession for about 30 years, uh, what I think of when I think of audit is continuous improvement. So it's, it's, you know, we, we are always trying to improve ourselves as, as individuals and as professionals, but organizations also need to improve their processes, right? So to me, it's really just audit is a scary word for how do we continuously improve? And that's a good thing. A scary word for how do we continuously improve? I really like that. I love the scary word part because <laughs> it is a scary word, but here's the thing. like. Some people think audit, yawn, this is gonna be boring, but I'm gonna tell you right now, we are really gonna make this interesting because Lynn has such great stories that she makes very applicable to people's lives and their career. And so we're just gonna jump right in and get started on some of those stories. So I wanna start here real quick because you just made a job move and we'll probably get to that towards the mm -hmm. end of this again but tell us, I mean, you've been there for what, two and a half, three months? Yeah, coming up at, on three months at the end of this month. At NTTA. Mm -hmm. So tell us a little bit about your experience with NTTA since it's so fresh. Yeah, well, NTTA is um, a $1.6 billion company organization. It, we're a government entity, so it's not um, a public company where we sell stock or anything like that. We do not uh, get our funding through taxes. So it's all based upon the um, toll tag. You know, whenever you go through our um, machines on the road, that's how we get the, the money to fund all of our projects. And a fun fact is that it costs about nine, we have $9 billion in outstanding, outstanding debt in order to fund all these construction projects. And, and so w what's interesting is if we didn't have all this this debt to fund all these construction projects and try to pay it back through um, obviously you know the, the tolls the mm -hmm. re revenues that we bring in whenever somebody come, goes through our um, highways and and roads then it would actually um, be the equivalent of increasing gasoline taxes fuel taxes by six cents per gallon in order to fund all these projects. And everyone would have to be paying, be paying that tax, right? People in Houston, people in San Antonio, Austin, even though they probably may never reach our roads. And so this way it's more targeted as far as the customers that actually use our roads. A, super surprising about how big it is. Mm -hmm. B, 
please do not make the transition this to gasoline yeah, tax because exactly. gasoline is already going through the roof. Exactly. I don't like filling up my truck right now. That's right. And then the last thing that I'm I'm really thrilled about is Lynn told me she's going to get me the super secret discount on my toll tag. <laughs> <laughs> that may have to be approved by the CEO. No, I'm, I'm joking, but um, it is reflective of such a conservative, financially conservative organization. You know, we're very uh, careful about how we spend our money because we understand the perception of the public of how we use their toll revenue dollars. Yeah. Right. But we use it very um, strategically in order to give back to our customers, the community. Um, for example, we invested in artificial intelligence in order to automatically detect when a car is um, has stopped moving so that we can quickly, you know, there are alerts and bells and whistles that come off so that the maintenance team can quickly come out there and move the car off the road so that the safety of the driver whose car has stopped is um, is being helped, obviously, but also the safety of all the oncoming traffic as well. And so we've invested a lot of technology in order to keep our roads safe. As a matter of fact, you know, I don't, I don't know if you wrote, uh, drove on the roads during the ice storms, but when I had to drive that day during the ice storms, uh, I, it was very scary. It was like driving on an ice rink leading up to the tollways. And as soon as I hit the tollway, I could see the roads. I could see the the treatment you know no longer was it icy but actually concrete that i was driving on and then as soon as i got off the tollway it was immediately the ice rink again so i feel a lot safer driving on the tollways um i think it's worth the the money that we pay and and it's a choice right if you don't want to pay to drive on the roads then then you don't have to that's the thing I, unlike the gasoline tax which is a little bit more yep. Uh, impacts everybody yeah. exactly yeah i i imagine in my head i've built a command center already of people sitting there with the command center and looking for those drivers with all the bells and whistles with the goal of protecting that driver and keeping traffic flowing yes, because we, our city's growing so fast we've got exactly. people coming from everybody blames california right so i'm going to blame it too right i'm going to fall right in line <laughs> everybody's coming from california exactly. and our infrastructure can I mean, we're, we're kind of behind, it seems like, at least that's what the newspapers say, yeah. right? You can't believe everything you read, but it's like, we really got to get that infrastructure up and running. So the maintenance of how people get to and from work that's right. every single day is so important. So this is all really cool and good to hear. And and the flip side, the good side of, of all the Californians coming to North Texas and establishing their corporate headquarters is that we have more job opportunities right to keep the economy here in north texas vibrant um and i'm sure that these corporate headquarters before they choose where they're going to move they're looking at things like access to their corporate headquarters um traffic congestion mm -hmm. and roads um that that can take their employees to to their um corporate headquarters and so yeah we're helping in that <laughs> i know i know i love the this was an unpaid advertisement for the ntta so free of charge um okay so let's go back yeah. and talk about a little bit about your career because we've got a lot of really good lessons that we can learn from this so for some reason you were in high school and you decided yeah you know what i'm gonna go to college and mm -hmm. i'm gonna be an accountant and not only choosing accounting you chose auditing, right? which I feel like is the lesser, right? Because you've got general ledger accounting, you've got tax, and then you've got audit, right. if you were to bucket those things. And right. I feel like most people don't choose audit, you choose that path. So right. why? How did you come to that decision point? So I decided to be an auditor 
way before I start majoring in accounting in college. I actually decided I wanted to be an auditor when I grew up. When I was about 10 years old, I was listening to my father who was talking about uh, his audit stories in the middle of the, the Vietnamese jungle. You know, he was auditing to make sure that um, the Department of Defense funds were being used appropriately and, and there wasn't any fraud happening, you know, as we were building out, um, the U.S. was building out helicopter um, places to land, you know, for the troops, um, etc., et where they were going to live in the middle of the jungle. And um, they were hiring locals in order to do a payroll audit. And my father was a part of that audit team and he caught people trying to clock in for their friends, even though their friends didn't show up to work. He was looking at payroll records that said people work 23 hours a, a day, you know, which is humanly impossible. And so he wrote all that up and all those people got fired. And so in the middle of the night, these people wanted to exact vengeance on my father for, for you know, making them lose their livelihood. And there was a plot to kill him in the middle of the night. And so his supervisor came in, woke him up in the middle of the night and said, you need to get out of here because there was a plot to kill you after that audit report came out. And as I was listening to this, it just sounded so um, heroic. Yeah. You know, this profession my father was in was trying to do the right thing at all costs, even at the risk of his life. And so after hearing that story, I wanted to be an auditor when, when I grew up. And that's exactly what I did was that. majored in accounting, got in with the big eight at the time, big four, Yeah, became a financial auditor and then transitioned to into auditor. And I've been there ever since. That is so fascinating. It's like super secret CIA I mission. Know. And this is what I'm going to do. That is just fascinating. And CIA also stands for certified internal auditor. I way. know. I know. Funny. It's crazy how that works. Yes. So you love, so you were, you were naturally good at accounting. You were naturally good at math, right? There's a lot of math where things go. And then just from a compliance standpoint. Yes. And, and so that's, that kind of explains my transition from financial auditing with KPMG to internal auditing, because I kind of got tired of auditing the math, the, mm -hmm. the, the numbers. And I was really more interested in auditing the, the processes and dealing with people and, and interacting with a lot more people to understand what their processes were and understand what their challenges were and try to solve those problems for them mm -hmm. by improving processes, you know, this continuous business process improvement, which is really what auditing is for me. Yeah, and you've worked for some fantastic organizations. I mean, look, you've got a very accomplished career. You've traveled the world with your career, mm -hmm. and it's like you took very careful care of grooming the career path that you are, that has led you to this point today, except for one hiccup that I want to get to. Yeah, sure. So let's say, I think it was mid-2019, you decided you know what, I've groomed this really good career. I've enjoyed a lot of it. We don't enjoy every single second, right? but we've enjoyed a lot of it. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is, and I'm gonna step away from being an auditor. And I'm gonna step outside of corporate America. right? And I'm gonna try and do something different. And, and mind you at that time, think of this mid 2019, we've got a pandemic that starts in a little over six months. So this was pre-pandemic, this decision to step away from corporate America. What, what leads you to a decision point like that? Because that's a big decision. You've got two kids at home, mm -hmm. you have a family. That's yeah. a huge decision. That's right. So th there were a couple of things going on. Um, I was approaching my 50th birthday. And so literally midlife, that, and that's assuming I'm gonna live to be 100, right? So probably more than half of my life had passed by and I was just 
reevaluating where I was in my life and what I was doing and whether I was fulfilled by it. And the answer was no. You know, I was dreading going to work every Sunday and uh, approaching this milestone birthday and thinking, is this what I want to do for the next half of my life? And the answer was resoundingly no. And so I put in my notice to the CFO. I gave him plenty of notice, four months. You know, I had somebody waiting in the wings that I had been grooming to step in. So it was a very smooth transition. And I went back to school. I got my MBA. After I got my MBA at the end of 2020, I thought, okay, now what I'm going to do, how can I make an impact? You know, how can I add value? And um, I loved speaking. You know, I had done some speaking before then. And lo and behold, people start reaching out to me companies start reaching out to me to um, do contract consulting and speaking. And so I was teaching other auditors how to help their organizations through the audit profession. And I loved it. Um, so I did that for a year, you know, got to be my own boss, if you will, setting my hours, accepting the projects that I want to do. I worked for a Fortune 20 company um, as, a, as a consultant implementing agile auditing. So just, just great experience, very fulfilling. And then that was when NTTA in October of last year reached out to me, a, a retained recruiting search, uh, and asked me to come back in, you know what I mean, and um, and be a, a CAE once again. You know, it's, I'd done it three times, and this will be my fourth time being a, a CAE. And there were things about it that made it different and more fulfilling than my previous CAE gigs. Well, so... What are the emotions that you that you go through knowing, okay, I'm going to take this leap. I'm going to actually turn in a notice. And there's got to be a lot of emotions that you go through because this is, you know, 25 years mm -hmm. plus of work yep. and the lifestyle that you've come to and, mm -hmm. it, and people would view that as a huge risk. And, and the reason why I think this uh, question is so important mm -hmm. and a lot of what you're talking about and probably going to talk about is, you know, we all hear about this, the great resignation. Yep. And people associate that great resignation with uh, the millennial generation, which mm -hmm. is the largest generational workforce mm -hmm. in America right now. Mm -hmm. But the great resignation isn't just for the millennial generation. It impacts Gen Z. It impacts the higher end of the baby boomers, Gen X. I mean, this is something that's happening across all generations in our workforce in DFW today. So emotionally, what are you thinking through as you think, okay, I'm going to go turn in my resignation? Right. So leading up to that decision, I was very scared, right? Because it was a leap of faith to, to stop doing what I had been doing for the last 28 years. And um, I'm also the primary income earner. So it was, it was super scary to make that decision and just yank that every two weeks payroll um, hitting my bank account. But at some point, the pain, if you will, of staying in the rat race was greater than the um, level of fear. So the level of pain became greater than the level of fear. And that's when I knew I, I had to pull the trigger. What did, so what did you learn about yourself during that period of time? Because you, you, I don't know if you instantly became busy because you decided to go back to school, you got your MBA, you started um, teaching and, and paying it forward. Um, what did you learn about yourself during that period of time? That's a great question. So when I, one of the reasons that drove me um, out of corporate America was just not feeling valued mm -hmm. and not feeling like I, I was making an impact 
And um, all that brought me to a low point of self-confidence. And during these two years that I was away, you know, during the MBA, all the all the students that were in my team project were looking to me for guidance on how to write this paper and what the strategic recommendation should be for this paper. Um, so I felt like, oh wow, you know, I'm, I'm really, I'm very valuable <laughs> in, in this group. And then even after I left, or after I got my MBA and I was consulting for a Fortune 20, they were looking to me for guidance and they gave me a lot of great positive feedback. Um, when I was speaking for uh, ACI Learning, People were looking to me and calling me so valuable to me. So I built up my confidence again. So I found myself again in terms of finding my passion, my confidence, and my value. So all that happened after I left corporate America. Okay, so I'm going to pull on this thread for a second mm -hmm. here because this is huge. Um, you, we're, we're talking to someone who had been a CAO or a CA, chief audit CAE, exec, uh -huh. CAE, I want to say CAO. A chief audit executive three different occasions mm -hmm. for three different companies right and you just heard her say yeah i felt like my value was low and i felt like it it took my self-confidence down so just because you're someone starting out in your career and you're working your way up that corporate ladder as lynn did for mm -hmm. all those years doesn't mean that you look at the person at the top and go man they've got it all together mm -hmm. the life's perfect they make good money they have a good family their confidence is there that's not necessarily the case, right? We, we all have, we're all humans. We all have these impacts in our lives that, that carry forward to our family and our careers. Right. And so that's really important. If you are feeling that, you know, it is okay because other people feel that as well. And then you used other people in your life at that time outside right. of corporate America to build you back up. I think that's right. so important. And, and not to bash any of my previous employers at all. It's just... Uh, a question of the right cultural fit, right? Others, other people thrived in, in that culture and that's great, but I didn't. And, and so I think I was searching for a place um, where I, I could thrive, right? Mm -hmm. So we kind of talked about this a little bit, David, but um, when, when you were trying to grow a plant or a flower and it dies, is it the flower's flaw, uh, fault or is it the soil that you're using and the amount of sunlight that you're exposing the flower to um, and the, the amount of water that, that you're using? You know what I mean? So under the right conditions, the same flower that died in this soil could thrive in another soil, right? Yeah. Whereas a cactus can thrive very well, you know, in very dry soil without any water, but, but uh, other plants may not. And and so it, it's just a, about the right fit, not that this company is bad or good mm -hmm. or anything like that. Mm -hmm. So during this time period, it sounds like, okay, you've, you found what you are really passionate about. Mm -hmm. It was hidden there all along. And, and maybe you kind of knew it, but it really started coming out because the word that you used over and over again was, they looked to me and I was teaching them how to do this. And you were paying it forward to classmates, on consulting arrangements. Mm -hmm. So tell us a little bit about that passion, about paying it forward, because that's gotta be what, what has really invigorated, reinvigorated yourself. Yes, so, you know, at my previous companies, we I was definitely making an impact as far as um, the organization's processes. And so that made the company better, which would benefit our customers, our shareholders. But it was still a very small subset, right? It was just to our customers and whoever bought our stock. But I'm now at an organization where by making NTTA better, 
NTTA and what they do in North Texas is making this entire North Dallas area more vibrant, right? Attracting, helping to attract, being a part of the equation that attracts other employers to come here and benefiting everybody who lives in North Texas, whether you're a customer or not. Um, I mean, if you look at all the economic development that has grown around within five miles of our uh, tollways, uh, if you look at Stonebriar Center and Legacy West and shops at Legacy and all that, you know, um, those places wouldn't have built around there had there been poor access. So I'm doing more than just benefiting the company and its customers. It's really this entire North Texas mm -hmm. area. So that feels a lot more impactful to me. That feels um, like I can I can impact a lot more lives by working here and doing my job here. I love that. That's so great. Yeah, there's a bigger cause yes. to what you're doing today. And and you just, I mean, it is a large organization, right? We, we've talked about how large it is. In so revenues. In revenue size, yeah. So it may not be in people, but you're impacting the people, not just on your team or at NTTA, but you are impacting the greater vision of where Dallas is. Right. When you get to a certain age, <clears throat> you know, um, <laughs> then it's, it's, you're not motivated by just your salary or money or title. It's really about purpose, right? Mm -hmm. What kind of impact can I make in what I do every day? So that for me is, is what um, drives me to wake up and, and go to work every day. Okay, so I, I have a really interesting question because you could have stayed independent. You could have followed a different path during this two years and a retained search comes, they, knocks on, they knock mm -hmm. on your door, you start. And NTTA was able to uh, bring you mm -hmm. back. Right. And it doesn't sound like they brought you back kicking and screaming. So NTTA had a story to tell mm -hmm. and you bought into that story. Right. And when you look at where we are as a society right now in corporate America, everybody is fighting for talent. Mm -hmm. There is not enough talent to fill all the open jobs. And it's only getting worse because many people left the workforce mm -hmm. or they decided I'm going to do something completely different. And we still have companies moving to Dallas, Fort mm -hmm. Worth. So what was it that NTTA did so well in crafting their story for you mm -hmm that brought you back because that's really important for other companies to learn from mm -hmm. because they need to do that. Right. It's, it was the culture. They sold me on the culture. As a matter of fact, I'll never forget it. And so here comes another story. But when I interviewed with the um, CEO, uh, we met at a restaurant and at some point during our meal, he pushes aside his plate of food and whips out a list of eight core values that represent the company's culture. And so I was already impressed that culture was top of mind for him, to, for, him for this man to pull out a list of corporate, you know, core values out of his, um, you know, out of his folder and talk to me about it. But, but even more impressive was that he went through each one line by line and said, this we're really good at, this one we still need to work on, so he was actually transparent enough to admit to me that we're not great at each one of those core values. And he is aware enough to know um, and is, is engaged enough to know which areas the company still needs to work on because these core values were, were rolled out just two years ago. It takes a long time to adjust and pivot culture. And so um, that to me, 
I was sold, you mm -hmm. know what I mean, at that point. And, and the other point in, in the, the interview that really sold me was as we were standing up to, to say our goodbyes, he said, well, I'm not scared, Lynn, and I hope you're not either. And when he said that, the word scared, the opposite to me, the word that's opposite of scared is safe. And I think safety is what we seek in all relationships, right? Whether it's a relationship with our employer or with our um, spouse, but we're all looking for a safe environment to be our authentic self and to, to feel empowered, to offer up ideas without making made to, um, to, to feel um, stupid about our ideas, right? And, and so uh, that was key, was this environment was going to be safe for me. There's so much gold in what you just <laughs> said right there. Um, I love, I'm not even gonna touch it because I just want that to sit exactly where you just left it because there's so much gold in what you just said. My next question though is I'm gonna put on my auditor hat, okay? Which I don't really have one, so it's totally <laughs> fake here. Um, looking at NTTA through an auditor's lens mm -hmm. and understanding the core values there, how do you impact that culture on a daily basis? Because the, the CEO gave you the key, like mm -hmm. we're good here, we're good here, we really need to work on this one. Mm -hmm. And so I've got to think like from an auditor standpoint, you're making a note, right? It's like, okay, I'm going to evaluate the organization when I get there based on these core values because mm -hmm. it stood out to you so much. Mm -hmm. How can other people do that? How can other people assess their fit in a company? Right. So, you know, hopefully people understand what their, in their mind, what their core values are, right? And so hope, the other hope is that the company that you're assessing also has defined their list of core values. And so, you know, let's do the matchup, right? I mean, the words may not sound exactly the same, but if, if you can kind of match it up, you know, somewhat, then you know that this company's core values align with yours. But that's the very first step because any company can write down a list of really nice sounding buzzword buzzworthy list of core values, right? But what are they doing with that? Is it just put on a poster and hung up on the walls? Because I've been at companies where they check the box and yeah. that was it. Um, but here, I'm hearing those words being spoken in every conversation. Um, I am seeing an email from the CEO every month. Hey, let's deep dive into this core value and what that means on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, the executive team, you know, are using those words as they're communicating with me. And so we hold each other accountable to those core values. So it really has to be embedded in day-to-day -day speak, conversations, um, how we do our work. Uh, and, and it's up to each department head to define for each of their teams what that means in their role and responsibilities. Yeah. So it's, it's way beyond just a list of nice words. Yeah, what's so great about it, when you combine those two stories together, mm -hmm. your interview, he wasn't looking at you saying, she checks these boxes mm -hmm. and let's move forward. He was looking at you saying, yeah, she's got to check the boxes, but she also has to buy, buy into our mission. Yes. And I'm going to state it up front. And if she doesn't buy in, hey, it was good to meet you. Yeah. And, and you bought in. Conversely, when you get there, mm -hmm. it's, it's not just words on a wall and it's like, oh yeah, the company checked those boxes. Mm -hmm. 
you have to know that everybody else in that organization has bought into those same core values, right? That's right. And that's what ultimately makes the match that we're all looking for in our career. That's right. And let's be realistic. You know, I mean, it's only been two years in the making. Not every single person in the company has bought and, and well, they bought into it mentally, but has learned how to embed that into their day to day on all eight core values. You know, that's still a work in process. But I would say, um, out of all the companies I've been at, you know, and this is my eighth or, or maybe even ninth uh, company, I'm a corporate slut. Um, <laughs> hey, you're you're less than the average. I just read, oh. an you know, I forwarded you an article yesterday. And if you looked at that, the average is most people are right. making 12 job moves. Wow. You're only at eight. So, so you got to pick it up. What that means from a math <laughs> perspective is that my numerator is a very high number. Um, even though my denominator is high, my numerator is, is really high. But, but, but anyways, yeah, so, um, you know, it, it's really about living and breathing those core values and, and not just, you know, listing it out. Um, so, and, and based upon all my different other companies that I've been at, um, I would say that NTTA has been the best at knowing how to really um, embed and implement their core values. I've, I've never seen it uh, as well done as far as implementing culture or changing culture as I've seen it here. That's awesome. I love that. So, so let's make this applicable to someone in the audience that's listening. Mm -hmm. Okay. So let's give them an action item or something they can take away and right. actually implement for themselves. Or maybe as I'm hearing you, I'm thinking, well, how can I implement something for my company yeah. from a company standpoint? So you know, we have two different audiences, right? Someone may be thinking about how I implement it in my career, what questions I should ask myself. And then there's the company side where they're thinking, are we doing the right thing? Mm -hmm. So what what is the walk away action item that you would say as we wrap up here, people can do to make sure it's the right fit for them from a, an individual or company standpoint? Okay, so from both an individual and companies. Okay, so from a company standpoint, the ways that you know that your culture is um, maybe not as functional or healthy is to look at some leading indicators um, or maybe even some outcome indicators. But if you if you have a very high turnover rate um, and if your exit interviews have a trend of, um, you know, poor leadership or the culture's bad, th then you know that that there are action items for you to, to fix the culture, right? And so you would do some of the things that I kind of described at NTTA. Mm -hmm. From an individual perspective, if you're dreading um, Mondays, if you've got the Sunday blues, which I had, you know, um, you have to ask yourself, why, why do I have the Sunday blues? You know what I mean? Have I lost my passion for my profession? Or, um, or am I at, Am I in the right profession, but in the wrong company to bring that passion out for me, right? And so if the answer to that for that individual is, I am at the wrong company, um, then you need to do something, right? You need to decide whether um, you, you need to have a fling, right? Because if you view the um, your employment with a company as, as a relationship, sometimes you need to to make the hard decision to end the marriage. And you don't necessarily have to go into the next marriage right away, right? Take a sabbatical from work. I know a lot of people my age who are taking sabbatical to reevaluate what they want in a relationship or what they want in an employer. 
and have a couple of flings to see, right? Flings to see yeah. um, whether you really need to be um, in another career or whether you need to be in the same career, but just with an, another company with a different culture. And so of, of these flings or what I did, you know, doing this consulting and speaking and doing a variety of different things really allowed me some time to reevaluate what, what I wanted to do next. So take some time for yourself. If, if you're having the Sunday blues and you know that you need to make a change, um, you can dabble in different things to, to kind of find your place in the world again. People say right now in that same article that I was referencing earlier that uh, you change your job 12 times in a career, but they also say the number of times you're actually changing your career, not just your job, but your career is increasing rapidly. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you've heard it from Lynn as a way to do a little self-evaluation and I think that's excellent advice. Lynn, thank you so much for being here today, joining us. I hope you've had as much fun as we've had. I had a great time. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. And for those listening, thank you so much for your time as always. And we will be back in two weeks with another fantastic guest. If you're looking for the next step in your career or the missing piece for your team, Unity Search has you covered. Whether it's finance and accounting, tax services, information technology, or human resources, Unity Search is here for you with experienced and dedicated hiring professionals. Reach out today and take the next step. Unity Search, placing you first.